Hello, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Body Justice. I started this podcast because I believe that all bodies are good bodies. All bodies are deserving, worthy, and all bodies are whole, just as they are. In today's world, it's ever hard to embody this as our truth. My mission is to create a space to process body image, eating disorders, and relationships through a justice-oriented lens. I'm a licensed therapist in California and an eating disorder survivor myself. I know what it's like to be at war with myself and also to find peace again. Thank you for being here and I look forward to being your host. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into another episode of Body Justice. Um, today we're going to be speaking with a wonderful eating disorder activist in the recovery community. Um, I had the luck and pleasure of finding her through Instagram. Uh, she has wonderful content on recovery and specifically some of the unique challenges that people of color in the ED recovery community face. Um, this is such an important topic, really needs more awareness. A lot of current treatment approaches cater to white identifying folks. Um, and it's a huge aspect of body justice because everyone deserves recovery and representation. So I'm going to let her take over now. Um, Julissa, can you tell the listeners a little bit about you? Yes. Um, so hi, I am Julissa Manaya. I'm a 16-year-old um, high school student from Dallas. I've been running my recovery account since March of 2020, so almost a year. Um, and I am um, Dominican, Puerto Rican, Black, and German, so very much a person of color. Um, I've had my eating disorder for a few years and disordered eating started when I was around 10 or 11. Um, I decided to make a recovery account just for representation because I didn't ever see anyone that looks like me. And also I wanted to raise awareness when it came to eating disorders in general, but also people of color having them. Um, I'm so happy to be here and I'm so thankful to be able to um, talk to Allison. Yeah, that's, I, I think the thing that like really blew me away about you is that you're only 16. Yeah, I get that a lot. People like never <laughs> believe me. I just turned 16 last month. Um, so yeah, people like never believe me when I'm saying I'm 16. Yeah, you're so well-spoken and so articulate and not that like other 16 year olds aren't, but it's just, I think it, it feels like you have an older soul. Yeah, I get that a lot too. My parents and like the people around me have always said that. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree with you. Yeah, and I'm so glad that you decided to make that um, recovery account in March. That, so it was like the start of the pandemic then, right? Yeah, um, so it was March 1st when I posted my like first thing. And then I linked it to my like personal account. So a lot of people from my personal account came and like, um saw it and that was like the first thing they have e had ever heard about my eating disorder so I was like pretty scared and then oh, wow. um I was like growing pretty quickly and then this year um like the beginning of January is when like everything really just started like blowing up um so yeah <laughs> that's so awesome and I, I love that it started from this place of like wanting more representation in the recovery community yeah um I think I shared with you in like our DM messaging about like my mixed race identity. Mm -hmm. And um, of course I have like a lot of light skin privilege, but I, you know, in my recovery journey, I just felt like there was so much missing. Like I never was once asked about like how that may have impacted. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
Um, as you like continue on this recovery journey, have you reflected on how aspects of your identity have influenced, influenced like your eating disorder development or any of that? Yeah, definitely. I was actually talking to my therapist um, about this the other day. Um, when thinking about like my recovery and my eating disorder in general, I think that it definitely stemmed from a place of not feeling like I belonged um, in terms of like why my eating disorder started. And so I was in, um, I was an actress, a figure skater, and a dancer. So three heavily um, yeah. based appearance, I guess, sports kind of thing. And on mm -hmm. top of that, there was a bunch of people around me that like no one looked like me, especially in the figure skating world. Um, in acting and dancing, you see a little more diversity. But in the figure skating world, there's like no, um, there's like barely any diversity. Um, and so I had that layer of not feeling um, like I belonged, but also like I wasn't like super thin, like I didn't um, have a thigh gap and all this and that that was like expected of you, especially like in the dance and figure skating community. And so I definitely felt that extra layer of like, oh, this is what I need to do to fit in and look like everyone else. Um, because I have always noticed that from a young age, I go to a private school, so it's predominantly white. I live in a predominantly <laughs> white area. And so I've always like, felt that that little like burden I guess you would say and like question in my head of like oh well do I really fit in do I really belong here because I I don't look like anyone else um so when I'm reflecting and thinking about my recovery I think that definitely was a huge contributor into my eating disorder and just another reason for me to change myself totally I I can so relate to that like that the eating disorder almost came up as like at least for me like this desire to conform you know, like to be in control of something about my body to make me fit in a little more. Um, that Because that experience is so lonely and isolating, like not feeling like you belong. Yeah, definitely. I 100% agree. And you were facing that in like these um, extracurricular activities, like the dancing and figure skating, but then also at school. Yeah. So you just didn't have that um, community around yeah, you. Yeah, definitely. What do you think has been, um, you know, one of the most rewarding things about recovery so far? Um, I definitely think the influence I'm able to have, like, on Instagram and opportunities like this. I'm involved in a lot of things um, because of my, um, recovery and because of Instagram. And I think about how without recovery none of that would have been possible um and so I think that's one of the most rewarding things and then also just being able to like live my life how I want to live it and I'm starting to get like little pieces back of myself um, pre-eating disorder and I was like super young so I didn't like experience a ton of life but now that I'm like 16 and still I haven't experienced a ton of life but I'm able to um experience the joy and the confidence I had as a child and I am like really really grateful for that and that's super rewarding um especially looking back and thinking about where I was when I was between the ages of 12 and 15 um so yeah those are the two most rewarding things about recovery yeah those are both so awesome it's recovery is such a process of like coming home to yourself yeah definitely I 100% agree I felt that as well in my journey and like when I recovered I did kind of go back to like those things I loved in childhood and kind of get to reclaim it yeah all. yeah yeah I yeah I could definitely relate to that 
And I think like whenever we go through struggles like this, it really, it, it, it turns into a gift. Like look at every, all the people you're influencing on Instagram, you know, your, your account is a safe space for, for people that are going through this too. Yeah. I'm super, super grateful for that because I remember when I was in that same place of not um, wanting recovery and not having like anyone I could look up to for that. And then I found the Instagram space, like even before I made my recovery account. And again, I didn't see any representation or any, um, people who looked like me. So that was another contributor into why I wanted to do what I do. And I'm just like overwhelmingly grateful, especially when I get like messages from people, um, telling me that like they know the struggle of like being a person of color and not seeing that representation and that awareness um so I'm super super happy that I can offer that to people and be that support and that safe split space like you said um so yeah yeah and that's kind of how I found you is you have this awesome post about um people of color and eating disorders um and yeah it really stood out to me too because I definitely have um a lot of recovery accounts I follow with my business Instagram and there's so much, um, there's just not any talk about it. You know, there's are very little, yeah, yeah. Know? And so we're so happy to see that post and that's how I found you. Can you tell my listeners a little bit about that post and just all of that inspired you to create yeah. it? So originally, which no one knows this, um, but originally that post was not supposed to be about people of color until I read more statistics. It came out of a post about children with eating disorders. And I was looking at statistics mm-hmm. um, because I could relate to being a child with disordered eating and eating disorder. And so then I was like scrolling down on, I forgot what website, um, And I saw all these statistics about people of color and them not receiving the same treatment and how they it's a lot more common for them to have an eating disorder. Like for black teenagers, it's 50 more percent um, likely for them to exhibit um, bulimic behaviors such as binge eating and purging than it is for white teenagers, but they don't get the treatment that they deserve and they don't get asked about it from medical Mm -hmm. professionals. Um, And the same thing goes for Hispanic people. Um, And so when I read the statistics, I was like, oh, my goodness, like, this is shocking. And like, I lived through this. I know how this feels. And like, it was still shocking to me. So then that's when I created the post. And I was like, I want to talk about this. I want to bring awareness to this because I literally have not seen any other post that was like in the same context, I guess. And maybe that's because I the people I follow are predominantly white. But because of that post, my following and the people I follow have become a lot more diverse which I'm super thankful for um but I'd never really seen a post about it never seen attention brought to it um in the way that I wanted to do it so I was like you know what I'm gonna do this and I um am hoping that the people who see it are receptive and that they share it and it's able to like um reach the people who need to see it and that's pretty much exactly what happened and I was like super surprised but also like super super grateful and I wasn't expecting um it to get the feedback that it did mm-hmm. absolutely and I I saw a lot it being shared a lot through other like eating disorder therapists mm-hmm. and accounts like that and white therapists yeah. right and and that's also who needs to see that stuff because you know, that's the position of power in this field that that has power to also influence change. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was super grateful for like some 
big names and like people who are well known in the community to like share my posts because I remember being like 12 and 13 following along and like being like oh my gosh like I'm I could never get to that place ever like I'm never going to be able to recover I'm never going to be able to share my story and stuff like that and now that I'm on the flip side of it and those people know who I am and they're talking to me and they're sharing my posts and telling me that they like my content I'm just reminded of like who I was when I was 13 and like how far I've come and I'm just super grateful for that. Yeah, that is so awesome. Um, there's so much silence, you know, and with in, in with people of color and having eating issues. Just because, and part of that's like what you said. Like medical professionals are way less likely to even assess for eating disorders and people of color. Yeah, um, and then of course, like access to resources, right? Like it's not a lot of people can't seek traditional like recovery steps like finding a therapist and a dietitian like that's not in some people's cards yeah definitely definitely um what do you think has been some of the hardest things in your recovery process and and how have you coped um well one of the hardest things um which is also like it's like a I guess a blessing and a curse at times is having an Instagram account and like having influence um, because sometimes like especially at the beginning of recovery um, when I didn't have as many followers as I do now but I still wanted to like keep that authenticity um, it was like really hard for me to share like when I was struggling and like not put on a mask and like not be authentic because that's something I have been taught from a very young age to do so when I opened myself up to um, Instagram and I wanted to share um, what real recovery looks like. Um, that was one, a really, really hard thing. And then also people from like school, um, and people from my personal life knowing about something so like, um, personal and something that I had never come forward and talked about. Um, that was definitely like really really hard and then also criticism I am a person who like I appreciate constructive criticism and I will always try to apply it to myself and learn and um, become a better person like grow from that but some people on the internet are like really really harsh and just like ruthless and I think that they forget that I'm only 16 and so I'm still learning everything and then a lot of people from like diet culture that I've come across my posts about like fat acceptance and fat positivity um and health at every size I've gotten some like pretty mean comments about that and stuff in my dms because I have it set where like only people I follow or follow me can comment on my posts just because of that reason so they'll like dm me and I'm like, hey, like, calm down. It's not that big of a deal. Like, you don't want to agree. That's okay. You don't need to send me, like, a mean DM. Um, and so those are definitely, like, the hardest things about, um, I guess, not only having Instagram, but also, like, sharing my recovery and my opinions um, on the Instagram. And in terms of coping, I have a really, really good support system around me, um, including friends I've made on Instagram and then those friends in my personal life um, that I've really, really been able to help me and just like I've been able to like vent to them or complain to them if I wanted to and they're always like super validating um so community has definitely been one of the best coping mechanisms for me yeah and I love how you mentioned it's it can be like a blessing and a curse right like especially with Instagram like people are so quick to attack each other when you don't know the actual person yeah definitely (laughs) Yeah, I get a lot of those, you know, like people from diet culture, like (laughs) saying mean stuff too. I've just learned to just delete it. Don't even read it. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
because they're they're not uh, in a space to want to understand. Exactly. You know? Yeah, definitely. I 100% agree. And I've noticed that um, because in the beginning, um, when I would get comments like that, which when my account was a lot smaller, my posts weren't getting shared that much. So I, um, I things like that would only come like what like once every month or something like that something like super unnoticeable um and so I would always try to like respond and like try to change their mind because I wanted them Mm -hmm. to like I guess I I don't really know what I was trying to accomplish but more of like I want to like change their mind I think I can quote unquote like fix them or change their opinion um but throughout my like my account growing I've had to learn that like I can't change everyone's opinion and I I'm only going to put my energy towards things that are productive and helpful and beneficial for other people. And also to the people that actually want to listen and want to learn. Um, but for the other people who don't, it, it's not worth my time or my energy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You deserve to protect your energy around that. Um, yeah. And there's just so many people committed to misunderstanding. So it's like, I get that side of you too that like wants to change their mind because that's that activism energy that we yeah. want this more people to understand health at every size mm-hmm. and that acceptance that like we, the world would be a better place right exactly but we can't do it all either um so I love that you're learning those boundaries um what do you feel like needs to change in the mental health and eating disorder recovery community to make treatment more justice oriented? Um, I definitely think that we need to ask, um, I guess like, I think we need to ask people of color and like hear their opinions and hear their voices um, and not even like ones online, like the ones in our lives. I think if you're like a recovery account or someone in recovery and you know someone who is struggling, who is a person of color or someone who might, you think they might be struggling. I think we really need to speak up and ask the people of color in our lives and online, like how can we best support you? Um, Because as a person of color, um, I hardly ever hear that from other white people. And so it's, it, it's, it's definitely beneficial and I think can um, change the community. And also just like following more people of color, finding, just try, try your best to diversify your feed. Um, and, and again, that goes back to listening to the voices of people of color because our voices are important. Our thoughts are important. Our opinions are important. Our experiences are important. Our perspective is important, but we're hardly ever given the microphone and we're hardly ever given the voice um, and the space to talk about that. Um, and so I think we just need to get better. And like you said, the people with the most influence, which are thin white women, um, in terms of like the eating disorder and mental health recovery community, they need to pass the mic and share more of what people of color are posting and um, things like that. And I see a lot of performative activism and it's really frustrating, mm-hmm. um, especially like when Black Lives Matter is like trending, that's like the only time they like talk about it. And it's like, okay, that's great and all, but can you talk about it even when it's not trending? Because our lives are not a trend and what we think is not a trend. Um, it's our livelihood and it's an everyday experience. It's an everyday experience. Um, and so I think there's just too much performative activism, people posting things and sharing things only when it's trending to prove that they care, put the persona on that they care and that they're an ally and this and that when it's like, okay, that's great. And create space for that, but also show up as an ally in your personal life and not just online in your community and Mm -hmm. in your everyday life, not just when it's trending. 
Totally. Cause that's where the real change happens. Yeah. It's like the everyday relationships we have. Exactly. Uh, change, like help, you know, change usually only happens when there's like trust and safety and we have that most with the people we're in relationship with yeah so it's like we can't just repost stuff or you know like you said when it's trending it's it's a all the time experience happening exactly Um, and yeah that's my whole aim with like this podcast and um things like that is to amplify marginalized voices because it's it's just not out there and also so many people can't access treatment the way that people with more privilege can. Um, so we need to be more um, creative with how we put information out there, you know, like podcasts and content and things like that, that can be super uh, helpful and impactful if someone can't actually afford treatment. Exactly. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. Um, if you could tell your younger self one thing, and I know you're still very young, so this is like a funny question. Um, what would it be and why? Um, so like I said earlier, I've always been in a predominantly white area, like with my school and where I live and everything like that. So I would definitely um, tell myself that like I am still important and I'm still valued, even if I don't look like the girls around me and that like I don't need to change and I don't need to do things like straighten my hair or think about how I wish I had lighter skin and stuff like that. I remember growing up when I was around four or five, I only wanted to play with white Barbie dolls and like white um, girl toys. Or, okay, like white <laughs> Barbies yes. and stuff that only had like white skin. And I remember my grandmother asking me and I was like, well, because the brown dolls aren't pretty. And that's because of what I felt inside. And that's what I was taught. So I wish I could just like teach myself and tell myself like that's not true and thankfully I had parents who were like able to tell me like no no (laughs) um and be able to like teach me that from a young age that like I'm still beautiful I'm still worthy but it really really took me a really long time to understand that and truly believe that so I wish I could just like go back to um the little girl I used to be and just like tell her um because I think she would believe older Jalissa um more (laughs) than she does um her parents so I I definitely wish I could go back and tell her that because I remember being a little girl and like hating going outside and tanning because I didn't want my skin to get darker because I didn't think it was pretty um and like always wanting to straighten my hair I have very curly hair and I just wished I wished um that it was so straight so that I just thought that was what was pretty. Um, So I definitely wish I could tell her things like that and just like, um, I guess, diversify what was around her um, in terms of like the people I was around and the places I went. I really wish I could um, show her more diversity. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Um, I love that. It's just like exactly, you know what you needed, right? And you can give that to yourself in some form now. Um, yeah, and I guess I was thinking, like, so you had all these messages about whiteness and thinness. What about in your, like, in your home? Like, what was the message around how you looked there? Um, it was definitely, like, very embraced, especially since I come from such, like, a mixed background, um, with both of my parents being multiracial and my grandparents being multiracial, um, and so it was very, very, like, encouraged to embrace my culture and who I was, so those messages were never coming from, like, my family, and I was always taught to, like, appreciate my skin color and I was always complimented and um around me I was always like seeing diverse um 
people on TV and movies and um, the dolls I played with and everything like that and all my cousins and stuff like all of them pretty much look like me um, and so it, it was never a message that came from my family it was more of like um, just around who I was and who was influencing me outside of my family space. Yeah, I feel like that's so important because, you know, sometimes like within family structures, even like if people haven't kind of like done their own work around this, they can pass on those same messages yeah. um, about like conformity and things like that. Um, so it sounds like for you, your family was like your protective factor. Definitely. They were like the reminder in my life of like, hey, it's okay that I'm like different from the people around me. And I really like, even though I say I wish it was more diverse of like, who I was around and stuff I can really really say that my grandma definitely did try her best like we were always going to like um black owned businesses and um things like that that were just like plays with a fully black cast I was always watching like movies with a full black cast and stuff like that so my family definitely always did try their best to show me diversity and everyone in my family is like very very diverse and we're almost all of us are multiracial um so yeah I definitely agree with you in terms of like that was like my safe space and the place that I could go where I like felt like I belonged mm -hmm. that's awesome they sound wonderful like taking you to all those diverse yes I love and... my family my grandma and my yeah. dad are like my best friends um so yeah <laughs> that's awesome um, if you could get one message across to the eating disorder recovery community, what would it be? Um, I definitely think um, my message that I would like to get across is that people of color go through the same struggles, um, but we're not met with the same um, treatment and the same accessibility. Um, and I would really, really, really another message I would, sorry that <laughs> you said one, um, no, uh, the other message is that like there is privilege and there's different realms of privilege and thin white women are at the top of that privilege bar and they're the ones that get the most treatment and like the people are in the recovery community they're most receptive to them so they need to share their platform and pass the mic if they truly do think they are an ally or consider themselves one yeah, pass the mic. That is the message I'm getting from here is that it needs to be yeah. passed. So everyone listening to this, um, pass that mic because, yeah, there's other voices out there that need just as much care and attention. Definitely. So tell my listeners how they can find your amazing Thank content. you. Um, so I'm jalissas.recovery on Instagram. And I also have a TikTok, but I hardly ever use it. So my name is spelled <laughs> J-U-L-I-S-S-A and then S.recovery. Awesome. Yeah, I'm trying to get on the TikTok <laughs> game too, but it's hard to manage like both. You I know? actually really, really do love TikTok and I'm on it a lot on my personal account. But in terms of like recovery, I don't really like make recovery oriented stuff on TikTok. I pretty much just like stick to Instagram just because it's like easier to navigate. And I already have like an influence there and like a pretty um, sturdy following. So I just I stick to Instagram most of the time. But you will see a TikTok here and there from me. <laughs> that's awesome well thank you so much Julius. I really enjoyed our conversation Same. Today. thank you so much for having me all right well we'll okay. talk soon thank you so bye. much bye if you guys are enjoying my content I would love for you to consider sponsoring my work 
Now I know this sounds like super fancy, but it's really not. It just means subscribing to a monthly donation for my content, as little as 99 cents. Um, anything helps me in order to continue taking the time to create wonderful content for you all. I really put my heart and soul into this work. Um, so there will be a link in the show notes on how to do this. And of course you could cancel at any time. Um, thanks so much as always for tuning in today and to yet another episode of Body Justice.